I will cave to 27%. Then they're going to fight this for a couple more years. Oh, we'll go to 24%. Oh, yeah. they're just going to slowly, yeah, slowly decrease. Meanwhile, they're other. going to try and figure out other ways they can, you know, milk money out of uh, companies like us and then companies like that you guys would operate. So I don't think that is going to happen anytime soon. They're a giant monopoly. They can, they carry such This is no bullshit power. gaming podcast, two and a half gamers. Sharing actionable insights, dropping knowledge from our day-to-day -day user acquisition, game design, and ad monetization jobs. We are definitely not discussing the latest industry news, but having so much fun. Let's not forget this is a 4 a.m. conference discussion vibe, so let's not take it too seriously. <laughs> Well, good. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, this is a very special episode. Uh, again, <laughs> we're doing quite a lot of these special episodes <laughs> lately. Uh, but yeah, my name is Matthew Lanchevich. I'm Felix Broberg. And we are I'm your hosts. Wait, <laughs> Wait, Wait a second. Wait a second. You're going to get Wait a special a intro. Yeah, oh, cool. we have a special intro, Sam. Yeah, because we're doing we're doing a, another one of our special emergency podcast to discuss the latest updates to Apple's updated EU payments DMA regime. Uh, joining us this week, here comes your intro, Sam. And <laughs> someone actually who knows a bit more about the subject. We're joined by Sam Gagliani from Exola, uh, which is a payments company, uh, to help us give us insights on what these new mobile rules are. So welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thanks, guys. Hello. Nice to meet y'all or see y'all. Yeah, do you want to... Do you want to give us a brief introduction and uh, kind of why you are in a good position to kind of talk about the updates and what's kind of going on? Sure thing. I'm Sam Gaglani. I work over at Exola. I do BD over here. Um, Exola is uh, just a quick overview of what we do. Uh, we consider ourselves like a video game commerce engine. We do payments, Felix, but we actually offer a bunch of uh, solutions and tooling that allow developers and publishers to go direct to consumer which is why we're in a very unique position right now to um, help uh, help you guys get outside of the iOS and Google Play marketplaces. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing this now, oh my gosh, three years, meaning uh, mobile web shops. Uh, the company's been in business 18, but we started doing this right before the lawsuit. We had a company that approached us with a hypothesis of trying to shift traffic away from the marketplaces to these stores. And then the lawsuit happened and it just opened up a, a, a windfall of business. And what we've seen over the last three years is an evolution of how companies are approaching their uh, ways of getting consumers to shift and then kind of navigating the changing guidelines. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, um, I'll tee it up really nice for us, right? And then nice. we'll get yeah. started. So okay. to give us some background here, last week after intense pressure from the EU, <laughs> Apple, Intense pressure. Yeah. <laughs> As much as pressure as, you know, a government can do, right? But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apple has allowed developers to choose between remaining on the current terms uh, and conditions, i.e. a 30% IAP take rate, or adopt their new capabilities, where, I quote directly from <laughs> Apple, where developers have the additional distribution and payment processing options available. Apple will apply a reduced commission and optional payment processing fee and a fee for the first annual installs above 1 million in the last 12 months. Developers on these terms uh, will be able to distribute their iOS apps on the app stores and or alternative app marketplaces and process payments using the secure apps uh, app store in payments purchase system 
an alternative payment service provider and or linking out to your web page from your app. So, Sam, that was a lot of bullshit. So I just wanted to say, like, can you just describe to me what the hell just happened? Like, from your perspective? Yeah, so this has been going on uh, for for about a year and a half. What happened about a week ago, no, a week before PGC London um, was this... I think we kind of need to give a little bit of a bigger picture of, yeah. of what happened in the U.S. because it feeds into what happened in the EU. Uh, and you did you dis- you did discuss this last week, but the Supreme Court in the United States ruled that you need to allow uh, you can you can steer people away from the app into a store. Um, the EU uh, Commission has been putting a lot of pressure on Apple to essentially open up their marketplaces, and the spirit of what the EU wanted, which was you know. Hey, I'm in the app. I can use a third-party payment option and make my purchase, and all's good. Uh, or I can steer a person in an in-app message with a call to action to transact. And I'm going to be very specific uh, on how I say that to a store, and all is good. Apple said, "Sure, no problem. We will do that. And all you have to do is pay a little bit of a fee, <laughs> or use our insanely complicated calculator to see what this will look like." So essentially what they've done is they've levied a 27% tax on these transactions, but that still means you have to factor in payment processing fees. Um, If you want to be merchant of record, then you have to factor in what it's like to be a merchant of record uh, and you have to pay any fees associated with that. And if you're going to do it, you have to pay 27% or you can pay this crazy install fee and use our calculator to try and figure out what this will look like. Yeah, sounds like that, Unity. Sounds like yeah. Unity all over again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> On top of that, and this is the, the, the funniest part, you also need to integrate and you need our store kit SDK, I think that's what they're calling it, which essentially allows us to track the user and pay purchasing behavior, which is insane to me. So they can <laughs> audit you in real time. They still have the user, so nothing's changed at all. If anything, what they've done is made it super complicated, super opaque. I can already imagine these meetings they had over the last nine months uh, with a bunch of really expensive consultants on how to make this super complex, super complicated, how to get guys like you to go into the calculator to see if this will work. And you're just being totally misled that this will be a great way to operate your business. So. I, I have the calculator set up right now for Playrix, <laughs> and I think I might have done it wrong. Can you, okay, I'm going to share my screen, and then maybe you can tell me if I actually did set it up wrong. So I set it up for Playrix, and maybe you can tell me if this is gone. Honestly, or not I haven't up. even looked at their dumb calculator because it's yeah, just. Yeah, I, so basically, it, like, it, here it is. This is their, this is their <laughs> earnings in Europe uh, from last year, <laughs> and this is how many installs they earned, right, from Sensor Tower data. Yeah. And assuming a payment fee, uh, processor fee of like 3%, uh, is this correct? Like roughly, like how much they'd be able to pay? Like is, is 3% the payments fee? That's like right about what's true or? It's like usually 2.9 plus 30 for credit cards if they're used. But they that's if they're doing their own merchant of record services, meaning yeah. they're doing it in-house. Usually yeah. they're you're using a company to do that. So it's not going to be 3%. It's usually around five or six percent for a company like Playrix. It'll probably be a little bit smaller because there's so much volume. Yeah. Um, but end of the day, even if you do this and you follow all of the guidelines, then you get the scare screen. 
holy shit, I'm being redirected to this external payment system. Yeah. And I, it's super Nobody scary. Wants to do that. Yeah. Who wants to do that? And I guess there, uh, one strategy, cause I did listen to your podcast uh, last week is, yeah. well, we sacrifice that one purchase. And then once we get them into the store, right, they'll stay yeah. there. But then Mate, you brought up a, 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 a really interesting point, which was, um, well, cookies. yeah. The, you, you refreshing that like you're hoping someone refreshes yeah, or yeah, yeah. new browser, but if they do, they're still stuck there. And honestly, who does that? Who? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I would do it because I'm weird about like that. But is the average gamer going to do that? Probably not. Well, that's Are the thing. I, most, do that? Yeah, average no. average gamer most probably no. And also, like I oh. think we discussed with uh, with Jakub, like the yeah. the. the bigger whales and the payers, they will do whatever, right? They will but, do whatever, correct. Yeah, but it's a very so, small amount of payers. They do account for a big amount of that revenue. That's true. However, yeah. if you if you have that kind of connection already with those whales, and and I'll give you a few examples of what we've seen, you're, you already know their phone number. Yeah. You already have their email address. <laughs> yeah. Probably know yeah. them by, you know their birthday. Trust me, these guys yeah. know everything about these players. You're you just going to give you them, know them personally. Very, you know you know them personally. You you're going to offer yeah. a really unique web store experience just for them that have special packages and seamless, frictionless payment UI so that they're in and out. And, and you're incentivizing them to continually go back there because the expected value they're going to get from that store exactly. is so much more greater than that yeah. they would see in the marketplace. Yeah. And I know about one company who just like organized uh, a very big... Uh, Meetup for all their wells in South Korea yep. very recently, yep. and they they paid for everything. They flew them yeah. from everywhere, yeah. Yeah. and it's they will do that. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll, they'll <laughs> do it. Uh, social casino games uh, are, are, are yeah. the, I would say the the forerunner or the leader in this stuff. Oh yeah, uh, they do treat them like you know casino patrons. Will they they will definitely fly them out to what you just said an event like this, yeah. or they'll actually fly to them they fly them to Vegas. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 or reward them with an experience. Um, we've also seen it with uh, core and mid-core games where you have a older demographic that's been playing the game for a long time. They all talk to each other in Discord or some community oh, yeah. forum. And we'll see sometimes the store, the, the, the publisher or the developer will create a very bespoke store for like 30 people like a 30 hmm. cohort store and they do that on purpose what they do is they create that store and then those people all talk to each other and then they're be able they're able to acquire items in that store that you could get in game but it would take like six months to get but now you can just buy it like that and then all of a sudden players in the game are like how did you get that oh i went to the store what store and then they <laughs> open the funnel up a little more oh yeah a little and a little more Granted, those are core and mid-core games. Those are games that have a dedicated player base. Those are games where players have been playing this game forever and they're deal hunting. When we start to talk about like the less, the more casual game, it becomes much harder. And I think this is where a majority of the, the you know, pe people out there are going to be like, well, how do I do this? How do I get a kid, let's say, who's like 14, maybe 10, to go to mom and dad and say, hey, <laughs> I want to go to this place to buy this thing. And the parents are like, I don't recognize this at all. This seems scary to me. Um, and that's where we, you want to offer like something tremendous, whether it's a free item or such a discount that the parents like, wow, that's actually a pretty good deal. I won't have to, he won't, he won't keep coming back to me for more stuff because I just have to pay one time and I'll satisfy him for a month. Um, 
And then getting that user authenticated into the store has been another like thing we've been trying to solve uh, for the last year and a half, two years. So they don't have to go through this process of finding their game ID or trying to do, use QR codes or trying to use deep linking. Um, there's a lot of that. Does but Apple actively kind of fight, fight you on this? Does, no. does Apple actively fight you on this or how, no, how does it no, actually no, no. work? This is just, it's more technical hurdles. Like now you're asking hmm. a company who's so used to be, you know, working with Apple and Google to create either a bespoke uh, authentication system into a store. Yeah, their own ideas basically. Yeah. And so it really depends. And I would like to say one size fit all, but every company we've integrated has a different backend or a different auth system, or they're using something that's generally used and it's super easy. But there's always, always, you know, these little, you know, uh, corner cases that you encounter. And so we have to account for everything before we make the store uh, open to everybody. Um, and honestly, they don't care. They really don't care. It rep I think, Felix, you said their app store revenue represents 12% of their overall business. Of their 2022 revenues. Yeah, so, so that, yeah, that so is we, estimated. A, that is yeah. estimated can be up to eighteen to twenty from twenty twenty three. We yeah, won't I know would for even a while. argue it's actually more because you're not think we're not considering like the ripple effects of the app store and what that could lead to. You know what I'm saying? So let's say it's twenty twenty five, right? You think they're going to give that up? Absolutely. Oh yeah, not. absolutely. If no. I were them, I wouldn't give it up. And if yeah. I could make it as difficult as possible, I would do so because they care about stock price. Um, they care about you know owning that user. And they're not going to give the, give in uh, lightly. They also have a lot of money to fight in terms of legal fees. Some, I think someone said they've already spent $100 million, or there was an article that referenced the amount of money they spent. I mean, just think about that. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> good, good year no to be one, a lawyer, huh? Yeah. So basically, I see this like is, is every – I know every developer, when, they, when all this came out, like, oh, one day we'll be able to – present third-party payment options and yeah. all will be Yoo-hoo. good. Yes. That will never, and I hate to say this, in my, I don't think that'll ever happen. Apple will fight this tooth and nail at least for the next three to five years, if not longer. I think they will not allow you in their marketplace to do a third-party payment transaction without some sort of friction when I mean, and when I mean by friction, I mean uh, a, a fee, right? Maybe yeah. they'll lower it to 10%. Maybe they will, maybe they will, or the payment vendor, us, let's say, we will have to pay money to them to be in their place, hmm. in their place, play area. So think about it. They're, they're charging for real estate. If you think about it, they're charging for that space in the app. You think they're going to let us in there at no charge? No way. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to be a, a verified vendor. Sounds like unity. Um, where they will look at our payment SDK, tear it apart, look for security flaws, say you need to pay us a nice fee of, let's say, a quarter million. And I could totally see that happening. Um, and then we might even have to pay them a fee. Like these are all the scenarios. I mean, I'm all, yeah. these are all the scenarios that are bouncing around in my head um, because those are the things I would do if I were Apple. I would say I will cave to 27%. Then they're going to fight this for a couple more years. Oh, we'll go to 24%. Oh, yeah. they're just going to slowly, yeah, slowly decrease. Meanwhile, they're other. going to try and figure out other ways they can, you know, milk money out of uh, companies like us and then companies like that you guys would operate. So I don't think that is going to happen anytime soon. They're a giant monopoly. They can, they carry such 
power in you know in the United States government, uh, in the even the European Union. There's just too much money at stake for this to just be over that quickly. I just see this going on for a much longer time. Um, now, when it comes to the EU, you know, the, this happens in March. So I think the EU is going to look at these new guidelines and say, eh, that's not quite what we had in mind, guys. Yeah. And I could see a pushback uh, from the EU. Um, those, that's, once again, me speculating. It's no not basing it on fact. Yeah. But if I were an EU regulator, I would say, hey, this, off, this looks awfully familiar to what you tried to pull in the Netherlands, what you tried to do in South Korea. And you did in South Korea. So to me, this isn't upholding the spirit of what EU wants. Um, and it still seems very anti-competitive. Uh, yeah. what, what do you guys think? I wanted to ask, actually, like, what do you think developers <laughs> who have a big user base in Europe can do? Like, should they yeah, play around go within the, the regime or like <laughs> what, what's going on? Like, I, yeah. would not, I, I think, you know, and I just had this, I had, we literally were discussing this earlier today with a pretty large uh uh, developer in the EU and their big takeaway was, well, at the end of the day, it still seems like we're going to pay up around 31 to 32%. Um, and the user is going to encounter a lot of friction because they're going to see these scare screens. We would have to do a tech, uh, you know, integrate this store kit or whatever they're calling yep. it to track the user. We don't want audits. <laughs> you know, nobody wants that additional audits. <clears throat> um, and so, what it reinforces is building powerful web store experiences. And part of that means building the web store, but then part of it also means how you shift users out of iOS or play to those stores. So you can do it through social media. You can do it through an email campaign. Cause if you have their email address, you can communicate yep. with them that way. You can do community forums, discord, discord or whatever form exists. Um, you can use retargeting campaigns. Um, and then there's one thing that we have seen that's very clever. Can you is... still do retargeting though? Uh, iOS oh, yeah, you can. Like, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. There's companies uh, out yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, you still can. I mean, look, I, I, these are the same, all same of efficiency, the weapons. But you can. These are all of the weapons or tools in your arsenal. I'm not saying you, you can't just do one. You have to kind of do them all. Right, you got to kind of hit them on all fronts. And just um, before we started, we were discussing a few, few things in store, uh, web shops and store, uh, web stores, and uh, you can do search engine optimization, and you know you can yep. do a lot of things. Uh, a lot that. of things. So if you type in web store blank yeah. company, boom, that gets pushed up. Um, yeah, and it's on the first place. Yeah. So easy. I think, I think what I think what's happening right now is a lot of the larger publishers. Um, where, where everyone was like, are you going to go first? Are you going to go first? <laughs> Who's going to do? Who's going to yeah, take yeah. the chance? And then it was very interesting to see like one by one, they all started going live and they, they all talked to each other and they're like, oh, you didn't, you didn't get in trouble? No, I didn't. Did you try that? <laughs> yeah, I tried that. Oh, I'm going to try that. And then they got to the next level. So we saw kind of like this slow curve of, you know, people shifting slowly. They were being very conservative slowly. This year, is I think the year where they're like, we're ready to optimize. We're ready to full mm. throw our full marketing force behind it. Yeah. We're ready to do SEO. We're ready to do retargeting. We're ready to do like pushing all the social channels. We're even willing to do something like in my inbox, in my app, I would get a message. Hey, Felix, check out this new update. And you'd click on the update. It would take you to an update page. And there you might see claim your free item. You click on that banner. And that would direct you to a store. 
That is exempt from the 27%. That is exempt from tracking. That hmm. is exempt for all the things Apple is trying to do because essentially what you're telling a user is go to an update. Now, when they get to the update page, are you, is, is Apple going to control what's on that page even though you, that call to action wasn't to transact? I don't think they can do that. Yeah. And so this is what we've been seeing quite a few developers doing over the last, I'd say, year, year and a half where they're kind of operating in that zone of directing users in app to pages that are not call to transaction, that are not by, by pages. And once they get there, they're seeing something that's pretty relevant to them in terms of whether it's a free item, a promotion that's going on, something that makes them open up the store. Um, so, so let me interrupt you there. So uh, I was doing some digging uh, before the podcast. Yep. And I was doing on Tilting Point. Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. Yeah, this is a web store. And if I scroll to the bottom, uh, that's you oh, guys, right? That's us. <laughs> <laughs> so is this tilting. where you drive? So you drive retargeting campaigns to a web page? Correct. Or you drive... Then, uh, so another example, go scroll back up there. So... Yeah. You see where it's uh, all the way, like the, yeah, okay. Uh, limited time offers. You could yeah. click on that update. Let's say that user got an, a message in their inbox that said, check out our update. This could lead to a Star Trek uh, tilting point page. I'm sorry, a Star Trek page where there is an update, but then there's a thing that says, visit our store, which would lead to this, right? And there they're presented with limited time offers. So there's a, there, there's like a, oh, maybe I should check this out. It's limited time. Uh, and then you can buy the different types of currencies. You can download the Felix, game. You worked at the re remarketing uh, agencies and companies. You know how it yeah. works. It's the, sa it's the same thing. It's just the link yeah. is different. Yeah. You don't yep. send users directly to the app. You, you yeah. send them to web and that's it. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's that's quite the same of, logic. We've also seen some people that have high risk tolerance that like to operate in the gray zones. Mm, um, we like those. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. This is, this is something <laughs> I do not recommend. <laughs> of course. Um, so they, but, they got punished by Apple then for, for building something no, like this and sending too much no, traffic or what? what no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just talking about creative ways or ways yeah, that yeah, we've yeah. seen people redirect. Um, game, uh, it's an interstitial in the game, which says click here. <laughs> and then they'll disable the interstitial during review period. Oh my god. That's a little that's, that's, yeah. would you say that's more balls than brains or I think that's pretty ballsy. <laughs> You're just hoping that the reviewer yeah. doesn't catch it. Um, but that is something we have seen as well. Um we've seen companies do just crazy stuff like message in app in the inbox saying purchase here. And they got their hands slapped. They didn't get delisted, they were just asked to politely remove that message immediately. Um but the damage had been done, meaning to Apple, because the users were able to see this store all at once. Yeah, that was a that is a internal call that those companies made. I would never recommend that because that could get you in trouble. But these are the types of things that we're seeing. Like there's people that are way over here. They are mm. in that gray zone. And then we have people that are on the far other spectrum where we're just going to offer Apple or pardon the pun. Apple for Apple, meaning it's the same package that you can yeah. find on iOS and play. I don't know why they do that. And believe it or not, people do it. They purchase there. And maybe they're just testing right now to see what the funnel looks like. And then once they get, you know, some meaningful data, they'll actually increase the value of those packages on the store. But 
it's all over the place right now. And it just really depends on risk tolerance. Culture of the company is another thing. Oh, yeah. Um, whether they're publicly held <laughs> yeah. is another one. What, what's so, a good success metric here? Like if, if someone has a store that I just showed, like is it 10% of your IP payments that you're able to get there? Or is it 15 uh, or is it 80? Loaded, it's a loaded question. So okay. it depends on genre of the game. Okay. Is it core, mid-core? Is it a shooter? Is it 4X? Um, it depends on the demographic of the user. Uh, it depends on how much value you're offering on the store versus the marketplaces. Um, but on average, what we've seen, oh, now we've built like over 185 shops. On average, yeah. what we're seeing is around 20 to 30% shift. And what I mean by shift is we're seeing people shift their spending habits from Apple and Google to these web stores. Um, coincidentally, what we have also seen, which is odd, is that they are sometimes what we call loading up on bigger packages on the store, but still yeah. doing the daily little micro stuff on iOS or play. Um, so my argument back to Apple is we're helping your business. Uh, it's sometimes it's incremental revenue. I mean, and definitely sometimes there's cannibalization of that revenue. Okay. Um, but I would say, you know, on average 20 to 30, um, we have partners that are doing 65%, which is mind blowing. But those social are special, casino. Uh, <laughs> those are some social casino, but some of some these games, Forex. it's Forex. The games have been around a long time. There's a really active community. They mm. all talk to each other. They almost feel like they're partners with the developer or the publisher. Yeah. They're like, sure, let's yeah. do it. That's kind Easy. of how they, how it's being presented, like the, what you see. When it comes to casual games, like kids games, or hyper casual games, much, much harder. There's so much friction you have to overcome. One, most of these games, kids are either watching videos and then getting virtual currency for free or for, they earn yeah. something. Two, um, if it's something they want to buy and they're being redirected to a store, then they have to go mom and dad. Mom and dad, yeah. can you please get me this? Why? Why can't you just use you know my iOS? No, 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 you don't understand. This yeah. is, that's where you have to present something that's so unique so that's a, that's a one more bonus friction point yeah. <laughs> parents yeah <laughs> yeah that's the other one three it's the other way it's a social casino game and it's either a man or a woman mid 40s mid 50s maybe even older and they are like what what just happened i thought i was here and now i'm here and why can't i use my apple and so they get really scared hmm. um so that's where education with like the community before you launch the store and you explain to them what's going on and why they should do it is important. On top of that, I think, and this is something we're really working on, is creating a checkout that literally mimics iOS checkout. So it's not our, it's not our payment UI. And now yeah. what we're doing is we're literally, it's called headless commerce. So you're ripping apart the payment UI. So it just literally looks like that environment that you see in iOS. Um, and we can show you examples of what that would look like, but yeah, it's that pretty would be awesome because yeah. don't you think this feels a little bit oh, even more shady than like, yeah. oh, well, you know, I'm scared because I'm just redirected to something else. But now I'm, I'm actually redirected to something that looks like yeah. iOS, but it's not iOS. Mm. So I, th when I, I think I should qualify that with like, it looks like the game environment, right? So it okay. doesn't feel like you're being redirected to a payment UI. Ah, okay. Okay. Very uh, native. It looks super native. Um, 
on top of that, you know, what we're trying to do is give this user a sense of safety. So there's a customer okay. support number there. There's all these things um, that are, are part of it. And then the developer, the publisher, if you go to, I think it's on the Star Trek Timelines page, it might be, it'll say YX Sola. One of the, one of the uh, publishers did that. So users could say, well, what is it? Why is it? And if it's not there, it's on a different page. Scroll up. Yep. Mm -hmm. Frequently asked question. Okay, it's not on this one. It's a different store, um, which I thought was pretty clever. Like they were probably getting questions like, why were you, why are mm. you using this company? Um, so a lot of it, it's about education. It, it's about communicating value to the player and then making, once they get there, getting them through that funnel very frictionlessly mm. and rewarding them in a way for doing it. So that could be loyalty points, exclusive web currency. There's all these different components that are involved. Um, and I feel like when I'm talking about this, a lot of people are going to listen and say, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, yeah. well, it, it is. Um, it's a however, business. Business it, is a lot of work. <laughs> it is. And you're right. It's a business because you can make more margin. However, when you use companies, and I'm not touting us, but we yeah. have self-service tools that allow you to build these things super quickly without a lot of tech debt. And then we're acting as the merchant of records. So we're kind of acting like what Google so or Apple are doing. One, one, one quick question. Yeah. So what can you explain the merchant of record a little bit? Yeah. Because you mentioned so, it a few times and I'm still like, yeah, so merchant of records a very like, uh, archaic term that talks about who is responsible for digital sales tax, VAT compliance, mm -hmm. who's responsible if a, a payment gets put into what we call a chargeback uh, or if there is okay. a refund needed. Uh, and then on top of that, who's collecting the payment information? So mm. I'll give you an example. So Stripe, what they do is they process the payment. That's it. And then yep. if there's an issue like, oh, I see this charge on my card. I don't understand what it is. And then there's a phone number. I'm calling Felix's and Felix, you're the developer. You're getting a call from me. Hey, I don't recognize this. What is this? And you're like, uh, and then mm. you have to figure it out and how to you know, refund that yep. user or, you know, say, okay, well, you know, it's not a chargeback. Chargeback is when you call your bank and say, I don't understand what this charge is. Two, it would be, um, I now need to deal with digital sales tax because Sam is in the state of Washington. He made a purchase. Felix has to figure out if he's the developer and he's just using Stripe, has to figure out how to display the appropriate sales tax and then pay that state IRS place their money. That's where you're acting as merchant of record. When we mm, act okay. as virtual record, we do all of it, meaning we present the payment method, we deal with customer support, and we display sales tax or VAT in Europe on your behalf. So you don't have to deal with it at all. And I, I'm a, I, I used to work with Stripe when I was running my own company. That's about 3%, right? Uh, yeah, it's about what, 3%. what do you guys charge on top of that for, uh, for the service then? So for us, it's uh, around 5%. And then if there's significant volume, uh, that 5% can go down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but what you get with all of that is not just the payment processing, it's access to a tool called Site Builder. So you can build a web store page within like a week, very quickly. Uh, and then on top of that, there's all these other things we offer. Launcher, because, and we didn't even get into distribution, but we have a lot yeah. of people that are now creating a PC version of the game so that oh, yeah. they can increase playtime. So you're now distributing your game outside of the ecosystem, owning the community that way. Um, but now we offer that out of the box. Um, we offer a, a way to uh, offer affiliate sale opportunities to influencers and content creators. 
So you have like a kid's game or kids influencers, they can start pushing a link to the store and then they get 5% per sale. Right. Um, we are, or, we have, you have a mid core or hardcore influencer and they, yep. they get way more. Yeah. <laughs> they get yeah, way yeah. More. <laughs> so, and then we have, uh, our, our account system, Excel logins. So it can either serve as a, you know, original login mm -hmm. or uses be used as a proxy and the list goes on. But I think what the point I'm trying to drive home is you yeah. get a lot for that money because it's not just, it's not just processing it's one thing. Yeah. It's just not one thing. It's about setting up the store and then all the live ops behind the store. So once the store is up and running, you don't just leave it alone. You can't just say, Oh, I'm going to build it and they'll come or it's like a garden. You have to continually tend it over and over again, refresh, refresh, refresh. So what you get when you work with a company like us is we're doing that for you on your behalf, or we'll give you advice on how to do it because we've been doing it for three years. And then, you know, our interests are aligned because we only make money when a user makes a transaction and we don't make money if a user is. So we're trying yeah. to help you guys get to market super fast. So merchant of record is a term that's super important yeah. and it kind of differs. So some companies say they're a merchant of record, but they're not in the true sense. So they may not cover VAT in all countries, or they may not be remitting appropriate sales tax in the mm -hmm. United States, or they're not really good with chargebacks. Meaning um, if you see a chargeback, usually your bank will contact the merchant and then the merchant doesn't respond. Merchant in this case would be you. And if you're doing it yourself, you're getting flooded with chargeback notices and you usually have to respond with detailed information. We're doing that for you. So there's a lot that you get for that extra few points. Okay. So if I'm summarizing pretty much what we've talked about right now, the TLDR of this entire <laughs> Apple <laughs> change of rules in the EU is that's bullshit. They're making it complicated on purpose. And, the only way and... that a developer can win is to build something like a web shop mm -hmm. and then circumvent it until the EU slaps them in the face. So I, I think based on what I read on Thursday night, I think the EU is going to push back before March 7th. I totally see it coming. Uh, so I either expect two things could happen. One, the guidelines will change, which I can't see that Apple doing rapidly, or they might yeah. push the date back. I don't know. Um, two, yes, you should definitely have a web. And I'll tell you why web shops are important. You, whether you use us or you, you use a competitor of ours, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, obviously it matters to me, but <laughs> at the, at the, the bottom line is you need to be future-proofing your business, right? This is a new world where you have the ability to reach your consumer directly without using Apple or Google. At the very least, you'd be derelict in your duty not to have a web shop at least set up, not to yeah. have an agreement in place with a company like us or whoever you choose. So at least you have that check mark. So if and when you feel comfortable or if and when, like maybe something happens dramatic and everything's allowed, you're not caught flat-footed. You now have the ability to do it. So that should be a part of any company's strategy for five, 10 years they're looking mm. forward. You need to have that in place at the very least. And then you have to treat it like a store. And when I mean a store, like think of it in the old days, like retail. Um, I came from Activision in 2003 and we made physical discs that we sold at retail stores <laughs> these are the old days right so and back then it was all about you know selling it to target gamestop and then having placement on the shelves and incentivizing users to go to the store like buy 
True Crime 2 and get a free copy of Call of Duty or buy True Crime 2 and join the Activision. Sound familiar? So it's about incentivizing the user Mm. using classical e-retail or retail methods to get users to go to a destination, whether it's physical or digital. At this point, it doesn't matter. It's about human behavior. Why would a human being go through friction to go to a place that they're not used to going? These are the basic questions you ask yourself. One, everyone loves free. Yeah, <laughs> so of if you can incentivize them with a free item, whatever token free item that might be, or a one-time purchase where you get significant value, or a bundle that offers an item that you've been grinding for six months to get, but you can just buy it right now because that's within the guidelines you're going to get adoption to the store and then you want them to save your payment method so that they come back. And when they come back, it's not the friction. It's just one click. That's kind of how we're training and consulting our, our uh, clients and partners on what to do. But I think adopting that kind of mindset of need to future proof and then need to think about a classic retail is super, super important. Um, And, the margin play is just too significant to ignore right now. Nice. Wow. Okay. Well, I think uh, cool. we've covered <laughs> the topic yeah. diligently. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. we'll keep covering the topic. It's obviously a very big deal. I mean, it would be a very big windfall for developers yeah. if Apple loosened the grip on this a little bit. I mean, but we didn't even yeah. get into side loading, right? Like, we didn't even talk about that. Like, you know, there's it's such a mixed bag. Like, I know a few friends of mine in, in the industry. Actually, he said it at, PGC London, um, the guy from Miniclip, he's like, not a fan. He doesn't think it's a good idea. Um, and I initially was like, really? Why? And then when he explained it, I'm like, oh, I kind of see his point. Like, you know, it could create fragmentation uh, like it did in Asia. Um, a bad actor will slip through. Apple can't stop mm-hmm. them all. Yeah. Uh, and then that could actually decay user sentiment on these apps that are being sideloaded. Um but at the end of the day, Apple's still getting their cut, right? <laughs> so you want to go through all of those hoops to like essentially just still pay 30%? I don't know. But I think the big takeaway from me, and this is the big takeaway I got last week at the conference, was Apple and Google are acting like payment processors. Very expensive yep. payment processors. Payment processors, yeah. Very true. Uh, and the organic... Defending their own money. That's, that's the how organic, it is growth that you could the the growth that you used to be able to get from those marketplaces oh, that's long the, gone that's long gone long gone yeah, yeah long gone. so you're kind of in this survival of the fittest where you need to create a store or a place to send your consumers or users to go and then once they get there keep them there and if that, that like I, I hate to keep driving on it but that needs to be part of everyone's <laughs> strategy uh moving forward and it's great. Thanks. <laughs> no, seriously. Wow, this is great. Yeah, I learned thank a lot, man. Okay. Really, thank you very much for, for like coming. I talked a lot. I'm sorry. No, that's no. The point. Like, that's that's, the that's point. why yeah. we, we have you on. I don't know what a merchant of record is. Like, yeah. yeah. The, the enterprise guys, they're going to be okay. They they have the resources. They, they can figure it out. It's really like that indie to mid-tier or that mid-tier that's struggling where they're really resource strapped and they're like, well, duh, I know I need to do that, but how the heck am I supposed to do all that and do my other job? That's the guys I feel for and girls I feel for. So if we can help in any way, uh, we will do so. And that's why we keep pumping out new solutions. That's why you see us everywhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. And that's why, you know, we keep 
rolling out new products because everyone that works at Exola was in the games industry. I was in the games industry for a long time. Um, and I think we don't approach it from a payment processor like viewpoint. We really approach it like, how can we be an extension of the team? How can we help you? We make money when you make money. So we're all in it together. That's how I kind of view it. So there you go. Nice. Cool. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. This is awesome. Thank you. See you later. All right. Cheers. See you, Nate. Bye-bye. Greetings from California. <laughs>